Yeah, everybody wants to go be with Miss Michelle, I know. <laughs> no, not yet. Not yet. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, as we settle, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name. Father, we've, we've prayed, we've, we've sang to you. Lord, this is all about you. Without you, this is nothing but a meeting, and maybe we feel good, and we feel a little bit better about what we've done, or we've cleared our conscience, or somehow felt like we've done a good thing, and, and we're going to be good for a week. Father, this is all about you. So, Lord, I feel so confident that you've given me a message, that you've given me a word for the people that are here. But, Lord, in order for me to communicate this properly, I need your help. I pray, Lord, that the ability that I have, which is very little, is just so overwhelmed by the presence and the power of your Spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would anoint now your servant, that he may teach and preach your word. Anoint those who are sitting in attendance and those who are listening all around the globe right now, Lord. Anoint their ears. Give them ears to hear, hearts to receive. Father, the truth that you want to impart. Father, corporately, sure, together, absolutely, you've called us together. You've called us as one body. But Lord, individually, we need your help. We need your fresh touch. We need your anointing. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So I'm going to begin kind of where we were last week in Hebrews chapter 12. I will try not to preach the same message, but um, I, I'm just going to let it fly, baby. So we're going to begin in verse number 11. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You know, again, just context, especially those who weren't here last week, context, we just got through, he being the Holy Spirit through this apostle, just got through talking about um, faith in chapter 11, the definition of faith, and also gave the roll call of faith using the saints of the Old Testament, how they relied upon, they just trusted in God, and it was, uh, you know, it was all about them just trusting God's word and moving forward in God's word. But then he also goes, and, and he being the Holy Spirit, teaches about, you know, some of the things that they suffered were because God was training them. God was teaching them. They were, they were, they were getting, um, so, there's this race that we run, as we're told in the beginning of verse, uh, chapter 12. There's this course that's set before us. God has set a course before us, and he says that we need to run this course, and he's going to sometimes have to discipline us. And he speaks to that. And so then now we're, no chastening seems to be joyful. This chastening of the Lord, it's not joyful, it's, it's painful, but it yields this peaceable fruit of righteousness for those who have received the correction. Right? You're, there's, the fruit will be yielded. The, there, there's going to be that positive result. When How many of us are, you know, that we're parents or grandparents or we've disciplined our children and we discipline our children not just for the sake of disciplining our children, but it's because we want them to live or a certain way. We want them to have good results in their lives. So we discipline them. Amen? So that's what this is saying. It rece- you're, you're, there's going to be some results that are achieved through this only if you follow 
the instruction, only if you allow that discipline to train you up. Amen? Therefore, as a result of this disciplining, as a, as a result of this correcting, sh- strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather healed. Remember last week, you know, when, when you're getting corrected and when you're going through these things and it's God correcting you, you know, don't walk around weak and moan and, and groan and, you know, he's saying, listen, be strengthened. Let, let this be strengthened. Take you know, my brothers and sisters, we're so living in a society where I, I mentioned last week, we're, we're constantly victims. We're told if something is going wrong or you know, it's somebody else's fault. You know, we're victims. We're victim. No, God is saying stop being a victim. Don't be a victim. He says be strengthened. Be strengthened. Take strength. I want to remind those of us who have been studying together for quite a while. A couple of weeks ago, we were in Joshua. I just want to remind you what it said in Joshua, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Remember what he told Joshua. This is God telling, talking to Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Not have I asked you, not have I made it an option for you, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strengthened, take courage. You cannot be strong and you cannot, listen, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Isn't that what it says in the New Testament? In Romans 8, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. How in the world can we be victims if we are victorious? We, he has given us the victory. So how in the world can we walk around as victims if we're victorious? They don't work. They can't go together. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't be a victim. Enjoy what the Lord has given you. Now, now, again, we go a little further in Hebrews. How do we live this out? That brought us back to, remember, our foundational scripture last week was this. 12, 14 through 17. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Without what? Holiness. You have to be holy. You have to be sanctified, set apart. Not look like everybody else, not be part of the culture. You have to be set apart. Amen? Without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Now remember last week really hung on to the root of bitterness. And remember the, the newspaper uh, example that I gave you. Remember that, that little thing that God had shown me as I'm trying to get all of these things done. And, and Michelle is reminding me of all this stuff that we have to do that day. And I've got the pressure. And I'm, you know, I've got to go home and do this yard work. And I've got to do this, do that, do the other thing. And I'm thinking, how am I going to fit this all in? Remember? And then every time I turn that lawnmower around, I see that newspaper, but I got it mapped out in my head, how I'm going to finish this, how I'm going to get this done, but there's that paper, I'm going, I'm going, I cut this side, and then I forgot about that paper, and then boy, oh boy, I remembered it, licky split in a hurry, when that mower ran it over, that little paper, that little thing, this big, became confetti, and remember what I shared with you, that little thing that God showed me, that represents, I said, Lord, now teach me something because this God would be teaching me. That little thing, he spoke to my heart and said, that's my people. My people, I, I show them. I, I show them what needs to be dealt with and they don't deal with it. They forget about it. And then all of a sudden something happens and that little thing becomes a big thing and it spreads everywhere. 
My brothers and sisters, and when we speak of bitterness, many people think, well, it's because I have an ought with somebody. It's speaking only that. No, it's anything that's in our lives, anything in our lives that would hinder our walk with God. Anything. It could be anything. And so if we don't deal with it later on, the Lord tells us very specifically that thing is a root of bitterness, and you left it in there, and you didn't deal with it, so now it's a plant growing, and it's going to affect you. But the be- this, is, this is the worst part of it. Not only will it affect you, but it will affect the people around you. You got to deal with it. You got to deal with it. Amen. But see, here's the thing. God's grace. God's grace helps us to deal with it. Remember the definition of grace, and I'm not going to share it again, but we we touched on it both from the the, the second chapter of Philippians and also second Peter chapter one. My brothers and sisters, it is very plain that God's strength, God has given us everything that we need to deal with these things that he's asking us to deal with. God has asked us to walk a certain way, and he's given us the power to do it. He's linked up with us. He walks it with us but he will not override our own will. He allows us to walk the way we want to walk, but he's always there to help us when we want it. Amen? All right. So, lest any root of bitterness spring up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Remember that, many become defiled. Not just you, many. I know he's talking about many who have a root of bitterness, but it's also many who are around you. Verse 16, here's where we're going to focus in today. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know, afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. So now remember, some of us may have forgotten a little bit. It's been a long time since we've been in Bible study or the Old Testament or whatever. But remember now, Esau, Esau, who had Abraham, who was the father of, of the Jewish people. He was the father. He was, he was the one who God made that covenant with, right? And then he said, even though Abraham and, and didn't know where he was going, God told him to get up and move, and he went. And God accounted it to him for righteousness. Abraham just believed God, and God covenanted with him. And so Abraham, he was promised that you're going to be the father of many nations. The whole world was going to be blessed through you. And so Abraham, finally, after uh, he turns 100 years old, he finally has that son. His son was Isaac, right? Remember Abraham, Isaac. And so now Isaac, he finally has, uh, his wife Rebecca finally has, uh, becomes pregnant, and she has, is pregnant with twins, remember? And remember, while she's pregnant, she could feel the, the twins fighting within her. And she's, she's praying to the Lord. She says, Lord, if everything's okay with me, what's this going on? And the Lord revealed to her, you have two nations in you. You have two peoples in you. The older is going to serve the younger. Oh, my brothers and sisters, God prophesied, God told her exactly what was going on. And we know that those twins inside of her were Jacob and Esau, the younger being Jacob, the older being Esau. So now let's go back to verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane, profane person like Esau, who one morsel of food sold his birthright. See, remember when those twins were born, Esau came out first, but Jacob was trying to catch his heel. He wanted to come first because even from that age, even from in the womb, he wanted to be the the, the, the oldest, he wanted to assume the birthright, my brothers and sisters. And so that's how he got that name Jacob, which means supplanter or one who trips somebody up or one who replaces somebody even by deceit. 
That's how he got his name. Because he was a supplanter. He was one who was trying to trip his brother up to gain something even by deceit. Are you with me? All right, so let's keep going. What does it say about Esau specifically? He's a fornicator or a profane person. Well, back up. If you let the root of bitterness and you don't allow the grace of God to rule in and have reign in your life, there you are at risk of becoming a profane person, a, a, a person who is a, a fornicator. So what is this speaking to? Well, we know fornication speaks to sexual immorality, specifically sexual immorality. And so if you look at profane, it speaks also of, of a heathenistic type of, and that is someone who has no morals, no view of God, no religion, no nothing. But they're, they're plain and simple, what this absolutely speaks to is someone or people or persons who are totally ruled by their natural desires, their, the, the human flesh, thoughts, you know, whatever feels good to me, that's good. Whatever seems right to me, that's right. That's what that is. Without God, without understanding, without any knowledge of truth, but just being ruled and running your life according to your base nature. What seems good to you? What feels good? Your sexual appetites, any natural appetite or desire that you have. That's what he's saying. That's not, that's not what God has intended for us, amen? So look at. So Esau was that kind of person. He was all about the here and now, what feels good. And it speaks to him, and he was willing even to sell his birthright for it. So, so we know what happens. To get, get, you know, summarize quickly, it's that time. Isaac is getting old. He can't see, oops, excuse me, he can't see very well. And so now it's, he, 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 it's, it's time. It's, 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 he's, he doesn't have much longer on the earth. And so um, his wife, goes ahead and helps Jacob to fool Isaac. Puts the, 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 the skin of the animal on him because his brother Esau is a little bit hairy. And he, you know, so he'll, have, he'll smell like Esau. He'll, they were totally different. Not just in their approach toward the things of God or toward the birthright, but they were totally different in how they acted in their appearance. Esau was hairy. He was an outdoorsman. Jacob was more of a mama's boy, kind of homey kind of guy. And, and my brothers and sisters, Isaac knew it. And Isaac really liked the fact that Esau was an outdoorsman. He cooked him his favorite stew, and he just really liked the, the things that uh, he had in common, I reckon, with Esau. So, my brothers and sisters, it was time for Rebecca to go ahead and put her favorite in front of Isaac. And they, they fooled him. They deceived Isaac. They deceived him. As soon as Isaac pronounced the blessing on Jacob, he left. Esau came in. Well, what, what, wait, what happened? Uh, uh, everything's turned upside. Wait a minute. What happened? What's this all about? Esau is obviously enraged and he's begging his father, even with tears. And so then, that's what this is saying to us in the New Testament. It's saying to us, he begged him, even with tears, for repentance. You know, when I read that, my brothers and sisters, he's not, he's not repentative. Esau is not repentative. You know what? There was no way that Isaac could change. There was no way that Isaac could change. He already pronounced the blessing. He already took care of it. It's already taken care of. That oath is already done. Can't go back on it. 
There's no way to change. That's what it means, without repentance. So now Esau, he, didn't, he wasn't crying tears and, and feeling sorry that he went ahead and he was totally a man after his own desires, totally heathenistic, totally profane. He wasn't sorry for that. He was sorry that he missed the blessing. See, he was, he was a profane man. When, when he was in that country, you know what? It was very specific that God told them, don't mix with the Canaanites. When you go into that land, don't mix with them. Esau married at least two people that were Canaanites. He married Canaanites. He didn't have any, he had no adherence at all to anything that God had already, he had no, he didn't worry, he wasn't concerned with the covenant of God. He was only concerned with the promises as it related to his wealth, what was good for him there now. Only concerned about the here and now and not concerned about the covenant that they had with God. Man, I could stop here and we could start talking about how that's happening in our culture, in the church. I'm not talking about outside the church. They're without God. But those of us who say that we have God and we profess this relationship that we have with God, but are we really in relationship with God? Do we, are we really concerned with the things of God, with the future, with spiritual things, with eternal things? Are we more concerned with the here and now? See, because when we talk about the covenant that we have with God, and our brother John has, has all the promises, he, he talked about it while we were praying, these things are absolutely true, and God will not go back on his word. But my brothers and sisters, our side of the covenant as well has to be kept. We, we touched on it in Joshua a couple of weeks ago, and let me just remind you. He says, you need to meditate on this word. You need to have this word on your lips all the time. Why? So that you can do these things because that's your side of the covenant. Your side of the covenant is you're concerned about what I'm saying. You're concerned enough that you are meditating on it day and night. You're concerned about it enough that even when you speak, you speak differently than the people around you. There's something different about you. You, you, there's something different. And then all of a sudden, my brothers and sisters, we see Esau where he looks more like some of the people that I see in the church. What does God do for me because I'm going to church? What does God do for me because I'm giving in the plate? What does God do for me because I'm, you know, I, I did this thing. I went to church twice this week. I went on Wednesday and Sunday. Wow. What does God do for me? And instead of, listen, I'm concerned about the things of God. I'm in covenant with God. I'm not worried about the here and now. That's a bonus. He's with me. He'll never leave me or forsake me. I can have confidence. I can have courage. I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. I have that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But, but I got to... Am I Esau? I want to make sure. Am I living or am I guided? Am I making decisions based on here and now? What feels comfortable now? Am I saying things based on how I feel in the moment? Am I letting that come across my lips instead of what thus saith Lord instead of what the Lord says? My brothers and sisters, we know then the history is that Esau, we know that there was no repentative heart in him whatsoever, because as soon as he left his father, he, had, he was going to kill his brother. Does that sound like someone who was repentative? Absolutely not. He left his father and his brother deceived him and his father, so now he's going to kill his brother. Rebecca finds out about it or she hears it and she sends him away. She sends uh, Jacob away. And she says, go into my father's land 
and, and there you'll find a wife and, and, and so on and so forth. Now, I don't want to recap the story because we'll be here so long, but my brothers and sisters, uh, through the course uh, of time, you know, Jacob is, is blessed. He is blessed. But one of the things when he was on his way, that was, you ever, you ever hear of Jacob's Ladder? Remember that? Remember that when you were a little kid in Sunday school? Jacob's Ladder? Well, he, he was, in, 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 it's in Luz, was he, he stopped over in Luz on his way to his mother's homeland. And as he was there, he laid down and he had a dream. And as he had this dream, he saw, that was this ladder where God is going back and forth. And God speaks to him. And God, you know, God confirms the Abrahamic covenant to Jacob. God confirms that covenant and says, I'm going I'm to bless you. And the same promise that he promised Abraham, I'm, I'm, he promised Jacob. So Jacob n- renames that land Bethel, house of God, because God is here. And then he leaves and he goes on to his mother's land. And so, again, through the course of time, he finds his wife uh, and he gets tricked. Right? Laban has two daughters, Leah and Rachel. He falls in love with Rachel. He's smitten. He's head over heels in love with Rachel. And his father-in-law pulls a fast one on him, gives him Leah. Serves seven years for Leah. Then he has to serve seven more years for Rachel. See, the same thing that the supplanter did, he had done to him. You know, he was a deceiver. He was a supplanter. It happened to him. And his father-in-law changed his wages so many times. And then finally, he has this unction. Something, so I, he's uncomfortable. You ever get to where you're feeling uncomfortable? You ever get to something ain't right? Something ain't right. Man, I want to tell you, at the end of this, there's some of us in here, I mean, you're, you're, something ain't right. You know, just, there's something ain't right. You're loving on God. God's loving on you, but there's something. You can't put your finger on it, but you just, see, Jacob was having this. There's something here. There's something wrong. And then all of a sudden, when he asks to leave, he sees this thing, and, and why would you want to leave? And he has to make this deal with his father-in-law, and he makes this deal and he says, I'm going to take the, the, uh, all of the, the sheep and goats and livestock that's spotted or, you know, not you know, pure, solid, one color, all of black sheep. I'm going to take. And so he makes this deal with him and he becomes rich because he's getting all, God is blessing him. And he becomes rich with all cattle and livestock. He's becoming rich. Now, listen, all of a sudden, he could see that his brother-in-law's countenance their, they, their attitude toward him has changed. And he hears them talking about how, you know, Jacob has gotten wealthy off of their father. So there's this resentment now. Let me, let me, let me push on this just a little bit. How many of you feel, even in your own family now, there's a little bit of, hmm, that eyes askanced? You think that you're better than me because you go to that church? Come on. Or, you know, I remember you when. How about it? How about there's just something that's not right. There's this, un, there's this discomfort. There's this situation where you ju- it just isn't right. And now some people are starting to give off that vibe. You can tell. Come on. Uh, some of you are not, and I know this is hitting, and, and, and I'm telling you something. This just ain't right for part of my grammar, Dade City grammar. It just isn't right. Something is wrong. He knows he has to go. So he goes. They run. They take off. 
Now, I'm not going to give you every detail because you know that you know, Laban goes and tries to hunt him down and all that, but God warns Laban, don't lay a hand on, don't lay a hand on him. God warns him. It ain't going to go well with you if you bother him. God warned Laban. But Laban did have a meeting with him, and they did come to some covenant between each other that they wouldn't bother each other. But now, here's the problem. He has to, he being Jacob, has to deal with his brother. He's going back to his land, and he knew that his brother wanted to kill him. That's why he left in the first place. But now he's got to go back and face his brother. Amen? So what he did was, he gets his servants, and he's now he's so rich, he has so much wealth, his family and servants are big, and he starts dividing them up. And he starts sending gifts to his brother on ahead. As soon as the servants get to his brother the first, then he get, he, his brother Esau gets 400 men, and they're going to meet him. And so now he's worried. They're coming to meet me. They're going to kill me. So then he divides his, his family. And then he sends his family across the brook. And then he stays back. And he's praying to God. I want to read to you a little bit. He was left alone, and we're going to pick up in Genesis 32, verse 24. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. So listen, until the breaking of day. That means it was night when they started in the breaking of day. Now when he saw, he the man, that he did not prevail against him, against Jacob, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of his hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. So picture this now. Jacob is wrestling with a man, and we know it's Jesus. He's wrestling with a man. And so the man is not prevailing. Jesus is letting him, right? He's continuing this struggle. This struggle represents something, y'all. Jesus could have snapped his finger and there's no more Jacob. So Jesus is allowing this wrestling match to go on. Why? For him to learn something and for us to learn something. It's not going to be easy. And some of this thing, some of these things that we wrestle with, we want to blame everybody except us, or we want to blame the devil, or we want to blame this situation or that situation. It's us wrestling with God. Because God has already, remember, God has already showed us what we need to deal with, but we're not dealing with it. We know, and we put it back there, but we're not dealing with it. So then we have this wrestling match with God. God, there's other things now happening. There's other things that are seeking my destruction. God, there's other circumstances and situations. God, you're the God. You don't break covenants, but this looks bad. This looks like it could take me out. So you're wrestling with God. That's why he left us here, for for Tony to learn something, if no one else. So he touched his hip, and the hip came out of socket. Let me remind you of what it said in Hebrews 12. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet. Listen, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. Why would you say that, Tony? It sounds like he dislocated his hip. No, here's what I'm trying to tell you. He's talking spiritual now. In verse 12 of Hebrews 12, he's, say, he's saying, listen, go ahead, let, go after God. Go after God. Go after God. Be strengthened. Listen, be strengthened. And don't let the feeble hands hang down. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Go after God. Why? So that lame hip, that lame leg, or whatever is lame, wherever you're suffering, it could be healed. Listen, spiritually healed? Sure, absolutely. Is God 
concerned with our bodies? Does he want to, is he our Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals by his stripes we are healed? Absolutely. But he's more concerned with our spiritual healing. So when he's talking about this, he's saying, don't be downtrodden, don't be downfaced, don't hang down and don't walk around like the sky is falling, everything's done. Don't do that. Be strong. Take courage. So that, listen, what is lame can be healed. So this hurting heart that you have, so this problem that you perceive, it would be taken care of. This, this somber spirit that you have, this, this hurt, this suffering, this emotion that you're feeling, it can be touched by me. Just strengthen yourself. Strengthen yourself. Don't walk around like it's all over. It's not all over. You're in covenant with God. Amen. So he's wrestling with God, and, and I love this. I just love this. He said, let me go for the day breaks. This is Jesus talking to Jacob. Let me go for the day breaks. But he said, Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I love this. So this is what Jesus said to him. He said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. Why is that important? See, when he went in to see his father, Isaac, to deceive him, his father said, who are you? Esau. Who are you? Esau. God saying to him, who are you? Did Jesus know who he was? Yes. Then why is he asking? He wanted him to say, tell me. Now it's to see how it it's time to deal with your issue, Jacob. I've promised you, I've already blessed you, but now we're taking it to the next level. You're going into that land, and the promise that I made to your granddaddy is going to be fulfilled, but I need you to deal with this right now. We're going to deal with this right now. We've been wrestling long enough. We started, and now the light is up. So now you're going to see some light. What is your name? Jacob. Jacob. I'm the deceiver. I'm the supplanter. I'm the conniver. I'm the manipulator. I'm the one who was all about the birthright. But now I see I need you. Hallelujah. 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 He said to him, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob said, asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. <laughs> I love it. Jesus. Why is it that you ask about my name? You know what? What's he saying? Why are you asking? What do you, no, he's saying it this way. Why are you asking? You know who I am. That's what he's saying. Why are you asking about my name? Why are you asking what my name is? You know who I am. You know who I am. I just told you. You're, prevail, you're, you're struggling with men and God. I already told you who I am. Why are you asking? Your struggle is not just with men. Your struggle is not with just your own conscience. Your struggle is with God. But we can't say that in the modern church. We can't say that in this current culture, this Christendom that we live in right now. Why? Because people don't want to hear that stuff. Man, I'm telling you something. God loves you. And that's why he's willing to struggle with you. How many of you married couples have been married for a long time? Has it always been easy? Boy, you answered really quick. Huh? No. Is it struggle sometimes? Yes. That the first sign of struggle, do we just, you know, chunk it and run? That's not what God does. That's not what God does. Jacob was a deceiver. 
Jacob manipulated. Jacob did wrong things. But God did not give up on him. God did not give up on him. God gave him the opportunity. And God struggled. He stayed right there with him and gave him the opportunity. Right now is your time to deal with this. What is your name? I'm the deceiver. Let me ask y'all something. Again, please, I'm telling you, God is speaking to us. What is it that we haven't dealt with? You know, we've, we've glossed over it a little bit. We think that we got to, listen, and don't think, I don't want anybody to walk out here thinking it's your spouse is your problem. No, 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 I didn't mean that funny because you don't know how much that happens. If I was just with another person, I wouldn't have any problems. Baloney, you just make more problems for the next person. I'm not being funny. I'm telling the truth. Why? Because you're taking that newspaper that you didn't deal with, you're taking that and you're taking that into the next relationship. You better go ahead and deal with that thing that God has already talked to you about. See, you glossed over it. You never dealt with it. You got to hack it out of your life. You got to get rid of it. You got to put it under the blood. I can't, Tony. I tried. You tried. That's the problem. You tried. Give God a crack at it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give God a crack at it. Give it to God. How do I do that? Meditate on His Word all the time. Pray. Take courage. Be strong. Don't let everybody else's opinion lure you or distract you. Don't be led around by your own flesh. He's given you grace. What's grace? He's given you the power to do what He's asked you to do. Do it! Making me work so hard today. He blessed him there. Jesus blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel. Face of God. He said, I've, I've seen God's face and I lived, this, I lived it. He saw it. But see, he saw God, but he didn't see the full glory of God. But I want to take you back. There's something that happened in previous verses that to me really speaks volumes. And I want to speak to that right now if Jesus would allow me. Genesis 32 verses 10 through 12. But I just really want to get the first part of 10. Here's what it says. This is, now look, this is Jacob speaking to God before he wrestles with him. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies of all the truth which you've shown your servant, meaning himself. Listen, I am not worthy of all the mercies and all the truth that you've shown me. I'm not worthy of it. See, he's coming to himself here. He's realizing, I stink on ice but God has still blessed me. I stink on ice, but God has never left me or forsaken me. I stink on ice. So God, I realize there's some, you're God and you're merciful and all truth is with you. Amen? Oh my God. But he then speaks to his problem. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, he's saying. You've blessed me so much that I've been able to go ahead and divide this and become two companies that big. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him. I won't read anymore. He's going to God. God, you've already blessed me. You've already shown more mercy to me than I absolutely deserve. You've already revealed more truth to me. But I'm in trouble here. And so he continues. He continues. And that's after that, that's when he wrestles with Jesus. Jesus visits him. I've seen the face of God. I've seen God and I lived. John 1, 16 and 17 says this. And of his fullness, we have all received 
and grace for grace. He continues to bestow his grace upon us. Grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Do you, you, you see the simile? You see the simile? See what, what Jacob was professing to God when he was in that situation? He said, you've, you've shown me more mercy and truth than I deserve. You, you've shown me more. Through Jesus Christ, we get what we don't deserve. We get grace and truth. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth by Jesus Christ. He prayed that prayer before he met Jesus, and then Jesus bestowed more grace and truth upon him. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But now, back to John, I want to give you full context. Verse 14 of that chapter says this, the word became flesh, and we dwelt among, he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Are you getting that? Is this tracking with you? Grace and truth. John bore witness of him, cried out, saying, This was whom I have said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Verse 16. And of his fullness we have all received grace and grace. See that? Grace and grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. But now look at verse 18. No one has seen God at any time. Wait a minute. Moses, right? Abraham, Jacob, right? No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. Let me say it this way. I love the way the New Living Translation says verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but the only one, only son himself, God. See what what he just said? See what that scripture is saying to us? The son is God. And he's near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Jesus is God, but he's not God in his fullness, right? He's God in the flesh. So we get to see God in Jesus. Did I I just make that up? I read that word to you. Now, when you go home, dust off your Bible, open it up to John, and read that first chapter, and you'll see it. My brothers and sisters, I did not make that up. So see, look. Why is this important? Everybody knows Jesus is God who's in a Christian church. Not everybody. Jesus is God and the Trinity somehow trips him up. But it's important that we know something. Why? Because this Jesus who we have relationship with is God. And when he makes a promise and we see and we have this, this, we are able to see God because of Jesus. Because Jesus, God himself took a body and he showed us what he looks like. He showed us all of the fruit of the Spirit. He showed us, above all things, love and mercy. Love and mercy. And he showed us justice. Because remember what I've taught you. Love and mercy, grace, mean absolutely anything if there's no justice, holiness, and judgment. I don't need love and mercy and grace if there's no such thing as judgment, holiness. I don't need it. Who cares? I don't need God's mercy if there's no judgment that I have to be concerned about or there's no standard of holiness. Who cares? No, but this is so great because Jesus showed us the love and the mercy of God. God loves you. He's merciful and he's willing to forgive. And at that cross, we receive forgiveness. But also at that cross was justice. Justice. 
God poured out his wrath on himself in that body and paid for the sins of you and me and everybody else. In Christ, we are just. It is just as if we've never sinned. In Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, somebody ought to be happy about that. That means you sinner dog. That means you're he, all that stuff that you did before you came to this church, of course. That, all that stuff that you did is under the blood. It's forgiven. But see, now we've got to go this next step. Because, see, there's some things. We went to him and we're being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And, and then we're, 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 we're going from, listen, from glory to glory. Remember 1 Corinthians, just as by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is dealing with us by his word and through fellowship and prayer and meditation and speaking. That's why all of that is so important. We need to keep doing that. Why? Because we're going from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. And we're being changed and we're being more conformed to the image of Jesus. And those things that used to trip us up back there, they're not tripping us up anymore. Those addictions that we had, we don't have them anymore. Those same problems that used to tackle us, they can't touch us. But that doesn't mean we're problem free. He's just prepared us for the next thing. See, this is what happens. God is saying, okay, Jacob, okay, Jacob, you're going to the next level. But we got to deal with something. See, Jacob, all of that stuff, all of this, these things, all of that stuff that your father-in-law and your brothers-in-law put you through, that was preparing you for the next step. So let me ask you, church, all of that stuff, all of that hard stuff, man, you don't know, Tony, it's been so hard. I don't know exactly what you've gone through. There are many people in this place who have gone through some terrible things that I've never gone through. But you don't know what I've gone through. But we've all gone through, and we may be in the middle of some stuff right now. But the Lord has sent you here and sent me here to say this. He is right in the middle of the stuff with you. He's right in the middle of the stuff with you. Just yield to him. Just yield to him. And it's time that, listen, it's time. The middle of this stuff, the middle of this stuff could be because you never dealt with that thing that you knew you were supposed to deal with. You've got to deal with it. Jacob, we're moving you to the next level. It's time to go. This, this, pro, this, this promise, this blessing, it's coming through you. But we got to get you to a different place. You can't be known as the supplanter anymore. You can't be known as a deceiver anymore. You, you've got to throw away that old nature and you've got to put on the nature that I'm giving you. Let's drive this bus a little bit further, y'all. Let's go just a little bit further. God has got something for you. It's time we went ahead and let him deal with whatever it was that he showed us and we just haven't dealt with it yet. I don't know what it is, but I got a feeling you do. Let me just give you an opportunity. Man, pride, ego. Even spiritual pride. I want people to think that, you know, I'm, I'm this spiritual, super spiritual human. I know the word. I know what the Bible says and all this other stuff. So I'm going to, man, you got, no. The devil knows the word. The devil knows the word. No. Man, you got to get away from that 
pride, whether it's spiritual pride or whether it's just, you know, I'm the man or, or whether it's, the, you know, I'm not going to have a man rule over me or whatever the case may be. I don't care. Whatever that case may be, pride. You got to let it go. Don't worry about it. Who, who cares? You know? What's your name? What's your name? What do people know you as? God has a new name for you. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask the praise team to come back. Listen, as they're, we're going to sing this song, I, I just, if you want prayer, please come up. Let's pray together. But let's just sing this song and, and praise God and worship God together.